I'm here with my pal, Andrew Sachs. Um, Andrew, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Pleasure. Happy Andrew, to be here. Uh, you are a production manager and producer, line producer. Tell me what, tell me, tell me a little bit about what you do these days currently. Sure. The current uh, hyphen is line producer. Line producer. Awesome. But yeah. you have worked your way up in the film industry. Um, you started in the locations department. Then you I, got... I was a parking production assistant. And I had no idea what it was. But it meant I got to work on a movie. So I was very excited. Do you remember what movie that was? Absolutely. That was uh, a movie called The, the Bronx Tale. Oh, I've heard <laughs> of it. What was interesting about that job is that uh, they filmed in the same location for two months, which, you know, is unheard of. You never film on location in the same place for more than a week. Um, but what was nice about being in the parking department and uh, being in the same place, they basically filmed this sort of four square, one square block. And the trucks would either move here and they'd shoot on that side or here and they'd shoot on that side. And so after about a week or two, I knew who all the residents were and I could just go and knock on their door. And my job as a parking gay was a little bit easier. And I had a walkie and I just listened and I learned and, and tried to understand what the other hundred people that weren't in front of the camera were doing. Before you even got into uh, yeah. the, the, the parking PA role. What made you say, like, I want to be in film and TV? Well, uh, I don't know that it was a conscious choice. I had gone to NYU. Uh, I mean, I went to college and uh, uh, don't do this at home, kids. I, I basically, I, I chose NYU and, you know, a backup. And I didn't want to go to the backup. I wanted to go to New York and I wanted to be here. Um, I, had, had, I had family here and knew that this is where I wanted to be. I grew up in uh, suburban Washington, D.C. in Virginia, and I couldn't think of what I was going to do there, no matter what career path I chose. But um, so New York was really where I wanted to be. And thankfully, NYU accepted me and I went. Uh, but I went thinking I would be an actor because I'd done that in high school and had some success. And that was fun. And I liked it. And it was good in college. But as soon as I got out, and talked to a couple of managers and agents and went on some auditions. I, I very quickly realized it's a very difficult industry to stay employed in as an actor. The NYU job board had an ad for a parking deal and I called and uh, Tim Tyler answered the phone and he was the parking coordinator. And he said, uh, you know, call back. If you don't hear from anybody, just keep calling. And uh, I did and I worked on that show and the people in the location department on that show recognized that I was paying attention to more than just that and was eager to learn. And they hired me to be a location assistant. Every house had to have the same mailbox and beautiful uh, foliage out front and flowers. I mean, it had to look like a very typical suburban neighborhood they shot out in North Caldwell, West Caldwell, somewhere, one of the Caldwells. So what does a location assistant do? So they had scouted this location already. They had chosen this neighborhood. And my job was go door to door, make, uh, get agreements with all of the residents to do the things that the art department was requesting. Um, I did some directions because at the time, you know, cell phones and Google Maps and all that stuff didn't really exist. You had to 
physically make maps for everybody and write out directions for everybody and commercial and uh, non-commercial directions and you know so all of those things uh finding a holding area uh directions to and from the holding area finding that's uh, something we definitely take for granted now yeah <laughs> that we just map quest google maps sure. and we're there right and it's it's so much easier now i don't even know i i never even look at the directions that people make now i just plug it into my phone and follow what ways or google maps tells me to do. right um what else did we do we had a like a green room you know because the holding area was a mile away so and the campers were another mile away so if the actors wanted to hang out it was find a couple of people who were willing to have bruce willis in their house wasn't hard no. Um, <laughs> yeah. but so one, one of the other people in locations working on that job uh mr eddie collins took me under his wing uh after that as his assistant location manager for about two years um you know he noticed that i was doing and uh capable and you know hired me and we did probably four or five different jobs together uh, and on that you were a you then became an assistant location manager is what yeah i think but it, you know it was it was just the two of us mm -hmm. and probably a couple of unit pas um and maybe a third person but yes and and as the assistant location manager my job responsibilities increased to driving the unit truck full of tables and chairs and refrigerators and uh clip lights and mirrors and all of, you know like everything because it was really right is that like a cube truck? Yes, like a cube truck. And also doing maps and directions and also doing uh, all the area agreements and location agreements and scouting, you know, pretty much everything because it was just- what do, you, what do you think while you were doing that assistant location manager work? That's a very hard job. That I would say that might be one of the hardest jobs to have because the hours are a bit longer because you don't right. you don't you arrive before the crew and often leave after the crew Absolutely. i mean isn't it kind of bookending the day i'm wondering how you the grit and determination that it takes to do that every day where did you find that and what did you learn and what did you like about it that kept you doing it yeah every day was different um and i looked forward to the challenge of all of those things and finding out new things and yeah i mean the hours are the hours i think uh yes we do arrive before the trucks even and put up signs so that they can get off the highway at the right place and point everybody in the right direction if you haven't done that the night before late after you finish shooting the night before you're doing that that morning and when there are only a couple of people you can't really uh overlap i distinctly remember it now i'm jumping forward a little bit on white collar we worked together yeah. for a few years you also i, I remember just seeing you saying like yeah i only need five hours of sleep one day or something in the office and i was like all right cool yeah like because uh the hours are tough but i mean it's yeah. it, you kind of almost build up a resistance to it, or or not a resistance but you you build up immunity to yeah tolerance exactly yeah. I think also part of my early and late is uh, not liking to sit in traffic and uh, yep. I don't want to be late because very often I'm responsible for a lot of things that need to happen either before or at call. And if I'm not there, I, I worry. So I've always felt like on time is late. I don't mind being early. I don't mind having a moment to walk around a new location and say, 
you know, what should I be paying attention to today? Who's, who's getting a delivery on this block? Like when I was doing locations, it was very much like, oh, there's a grocery store and they might get a big truck full of something today. And where's that kind of park? The one thing that always escaped me when we were making our parking plan um, because the Teamster captain would come and say, okay, grip trucks go in there, electric trucks go in there, camera trucks go in there, prop trucks go in there. Great, we get there and then craft service and catering show up. <laughs> like, right, we forgot about those two. Right. Okay. <laughs> earlier in my career was definitely something that, you know, because there wasn't somebody there in advance when you go on the tech scout saying, that's where that truck has catering craft service don't come with you on the tech scout. So, uh, for a long time, it was not an afterthought, but it wasn't part of the parking plan. And uh, certainly once we started doing maps digitally and drawing out where all the specific trucks go, it became easier to say, right, great catering's going there, craft service going there. How do you transition to managing, full, uh, full location manager? Sure. Well, the job that did it uh, was a job that ended somewhere else. They went to Arizona. And so I was left behind to sort of finish, tie up all the loose ends here in New York. And uh, Eddie went out to Arizona and shot, I don't know, another two, three, four weeks. And by the time he would have been done, I needed to keep working. And he understood that. And I was sort of ready to leave the nest. Um, and did, you know, I was getting offers to manage things and I felt it was time. Uh, and, you know, there's always that fear moving up to a position with more responsibility of, do, do I know everything? And, um, you know, with each position, be it location manager, be it production manager, be it line producer, you sort of understand that you do know, but you didn't know you knew uh, until you're faced with making the decisions about the stuff that if you think about it, in relation to the other things that you've done, you actually do know those things, but you just haven't been responsible for them. I'm, I'm getting a key skill of yours is kind of like awareness. Yeah. And, 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 and almost over-awareness, like, for, for yeah. like almost knowing the problem before it happens and Which, being ready to like put yeah. out that fire. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's something that could go wrong. Right. So I better make sure that I'm protected against that. Which, I think it's really important in this business. I mean, you, what's the prepare for the worst and yeah, hope for the best. <laughs> hope for the best, right? There was a a turning point in my career where I stopped being reactive and started being proactive, and that's mm -hmm. something that I recognize in the people that I try and work with that they are thinking ahead and they're asking the questions because they know what they're doing and they're not just responding. At, and trying to fix the problem, they're anticipating the problem and avoiding the, the problem. Right, because they're plugged into their role yeah. and they're keenly aware of yeah. everything they need to know. That, that's such a great point, yeah. reactive, proactive. I, I love right. that. Yeah, and it, it's something that I've, I've really been aware of more recently with the people that I've worked with consistently um, and look forward to that. Um, because, you know, I, I don't know how to do all of the other departments stuff. Um, I mean, I, I'm aware of what they do and I know what their functions are and I have a good understanding of what all the needs are, but I, I'm not in the minutia of everything. And 
they are. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm hiring them because they do know what they're doing. I enjoy that relationship of being able to ask questions and I'll preface with, I'm going to ask a stupid question because I right. don't know. Um, or, you know, sometimes asking those questions is making them think of things that they're not thinking of also that may uh, affect their department, but they don't know about them yet. Well, I wanted to read off a few of your location manager credits. Yeah, okay. Okay, because I think <laughs> they're just, I was, sex in the city is one, is, is, is a credit. I was have. a location manager on that. But I, you, you did some. Yeah, I filled in for a friend. You filled in. Well, you that's know, cool. uh, you know, yeah. movies, Little Nicky, Kate yeah. and Leopold, Mr. D's War of the Worlds. Yeah. War, War of the Worlds. The Worlds. That's, that's a big one. These these giant productions. Yeah. Being a location manager of a gig like I mean, okay, so filling in on Sex and City even. It that that's still the the yeah. duties and responsibilities that you have are very similar. So, can you just tell us the high-level view of what a location manager is responsible for on a, let's just say war of the worlds right. how so, did that work for you to be clear uh i was not the location manager there were uh, the, lynn pinizich was the location manager mike Criaris was the assistant location manager and then there were probably 30 qualified location managers working as something else because we each had uh you know some other giant location and that's how big that movie was yeah that's a giant one it was huge and it was 24 7 for you know two months here it was insane but it was the most organized chaos i've ever worked on that's how i describe it it was literally 24 7 we would finish shooting and the entire company and i'll describe the company for for just a moment normally on a shoot you might have 12 trucks you might have grip electric camera props, maybe special effects, and you know, five or six or seven hair, makeup, wardrobe, and some campers, right? Let's let's or call. Don't it forget the craft service and. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's call it fifteen. To, okay. To be, right. War of the Worlds had uh, like twenty-five equipment trucks and another twenty-five campers and you know, on-site editing and hair, makeup, wardrobe, all those things, and a tent. And I'm not going to even get it. What, what did Tom Cruise have? He probably has a couple trailers to himself. Uh, Tom, Tom <laughs> had uh, what I recall is, I think it was three trailers. It was, yeah. you know, there was Maybe a gym, a gym. Yeah. A trailer, <laughs> and then a tent in the middle, I think. And at every location, there had to be a helicopter landing pad times two, one for Tom and one for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Every day, those 50 some odd vehicles would move to the next location when we were finished shooting, set up, get wired, get parked, get. This is, is this Westchester? I forget where, was it North? It was upstate? It was all over. In Albany, they shot in uh, down by the water in some town I wasn't there. Uh, Somewhere in Virginia, they shot in New Jersey, they shot in the middle of New Jersey, but my responsibility was two days of filming and I worked for two months straight, seven wow. days for two months. Wow. It was, it was insane, but you know, my location was the, the finale where the monster sort of gets smashed and flops down on the ground and the alien comes out. Um, 
but no spoilers know. folks no i'm kidding <laughs> anyway, if you haven't like, seen it you should go see it <laughs> but you know i scouted for uh, several weeks because they were going to shoot in new jersey at pse and g right under the pulaski skyway and for whatever reason that didn't happen so you know it was find something equally enormous and visually amazing uh could have been a power plant could have been we ended up in we can cut to the picture now of that scene describe that location and and so again back to kind of your responsibilities there the scouting uh, like like finding it yeah so first it was go take pictures of all of these other giant spaces then it was show all those pictures to the production designer then it was he we went on a scout one day we helicopter scouted from you know <laughs> we flew to philadelphia as you do flew up to massachusetts flew to connecticut flew to i forget where the other ones were but there were about five that day and we ended up in naugatuck connecticut at uh what used to be a chemical plant um, and just, you know, 80 acres of sprawling buildings and towers and railroad tracks and pipes and just stuff. Also, giant parking lot to land a helicopter, giant parking lot to park all the 50 trucks. 50 trucks, <laughs> plenty of space. Put two tents for 1,500 extras and another, you know, one tent for hair and makeup, one tent for catering, one tent for wardrobe. At the time, I don't know that we were shooting digital pictures. We were shooting real pictures, or we might have been shooting digital, but. Mr. Spielberg wanted to see real pictures and he would mm -hmm. not in a folder. He wanted them mounted on foam court. Mm -hmm. um, so the day that it was sort of down to two choices, production designer has, I showed up with probably a stack of 25 of one location and a stack of 25 of another location. Did you go to like an hour photo and get them printed or something or <laughs> something well, like, you got to get eight by tens? Yeah, we probably printed them on a color. Okay. Print. Yeah, um, I think they were shooting in Bayonne and uh, production designer, you know, I'm standing there with my two stacks of <laughs> phone core pictures waiting for the production designer to say, okay, now. And then it was, you know, flap, 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 flap along this fence and Mr. Spielberg walking and looking and asking questions. And I'm sort of standing back waiting to, you know, respond to anything. And it was really, it was amazing. It was, yeah, you know, because I actually learned from that production designer how to shoot more in a way that is going to be visually appealing to what um, might end up on film and not just, you know. You mean your, your scouting pictures? Yeah. I, got I remember, better. Oh, wow, cool. Because I would watch him when we were scouting, he would be, you know, on the ground taking a picture of a railroad track. Here, I'll do it this way so that you get, you know, something that's interesting in the shot where the camera might go if you're going to mm -hmm. shoot the scene. Like, here comes people walking towards you. And it, it really made me think more cinematically mm -hmm. when I was scouting as to how to make this a more appealing location. Okay. Because I'm standing there and I need to convey that same vision to somebody who's going to be looking through folders or digitally on a, on a computer. And That's amazing that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. Is that uh, the location manager and his team Yep. really are responsible for any movie we see, any TV show we see, where things are taking place, finding those locations. And if there's a scene you see and it's like, wow, that's such a beautiful location. Well, right. that not the director. I mean, yes, the, the production designer and the director are obviously, but 
it starts with you and the scouts it's not always me but yeah yeah i just i guess your department it's yeah the scouts of course uh getting getting out there but sometimes you can can misrepresent a location by shooting bad pictures earlier in my career when i was scouting for other people somebody would always ask well what's on the other side of that wall or Mm -hmm. what's down that hallway and i'll do the same thing because you you want to be able to answer that question when the production designer or the director is asking you, but you also want to show all of the possibilities. You know, the script may say the dining room, but the living room might be a more interesting room and then you move the furniture into the living room and you got a more interesting scene. But it's important to shoot in a way that tells some of the story and also shoot in a way that makes sense so that when people are looking at it, they understand what the shots are and I would always try and include something that was um more artistic earlier but right I got better at that um to to pique more interest in the location tell me about some of these other films like let's go Mr. Deeds where you know great when when you are uh hired as the location manager you're you know you're you're the head of a department and there's there are meetings that happen with department heads, right? I mean, there and and those all have to occur in the pre-pro, and then when and then you start filming, and it's a thirty-day or a sixty-day schedule. I don't, right. you know, um, what's the difference? What's what's the pre-pro like, and then what's the production like in that role as per, as a location manager? And it's different for film and television. Yeah, right, right. I'd film. like to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Let's talk about that as it relates to Mr. Deeds, because that was another unusual, uh, not typical circumstance. We scouted in uh, like December, January, and they came and did their full tech scout in January and then went to Los Angeles and shot until June and then came and shot in uh, New York and Connecticut for four weeks. So we had a long time to prep for those four weeks. Granted, there was a lot involved in all of it. So that's the New York unit. Yes. Uh, great. Got right. it. We, so most we, of that shot in LA. Correct. Correct. Um, but so you had January to June to prep for the New York stuff. Sounds like a lot, right? Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a lot involved because we were in the middle of a town up in Connecticut in New Milford. So we had to get this whole block on board um similar to what we did on north i guess but not just homeowners these were stores and all the stores were different and we basically wanted to make the same deal with all the stores that we may or may not completely change the front of your store but we're going to pay everybody the same and you know the the movie theater versus the candy store versus the high-end clothing store everybody's rents are different and what they might stand to lose if we're there are different but being generally like um gregarious and affable is a yeah. good quality to have as a location manager <laughs> yeah you know like hey yeah. we need to take over your entire neighborhood for a month right. and people are like uh because because also now when when you when you talk about all those trucks and i mean that's become you know that's become like a point of contention in a lot of these neighborhoods especially in new york and brooklyn and the and you know so the trailers and you know the you remember the old mayor's office like parking tags those are gone right no they've become a lot more restricted and 
present day cut to you know covid 2020 yeah um which and, we're gonna get into a little yeah, bit it's gotten harder i'll just say that um but filming up there and filming outside of new york city you are often able to have a base camp um which you really can't in new york city i mean unlike other cities where there are giant parking lots that you can buy out and put all your trucks and campers there that really doesn't exist in New York City in too many places. You know, on Mr. Deeds, um, one of the things that sort of fell into my lap somehow was helping to find um, what originally started as a jet plane. They wanted to land a jet on the small town landing strip. And, you know, having spoken to a couple of companies with large jets, including the Sony jet, which they were going to volunteer us because it was a Sony movie, uh, the pilot said, I need 6,000 feet of concrete to take off. So I can land on your little grass strip, but the plane's not going to get out of here. So then it became, let's find the biggest helicopter that we can find. And, uh, um, you know, this, I had the time to help and did some investigating and learned a lot about helicopters. And we ended up with... Uh, a helicopter that wasn't yet in full production. You know, they were still in the testing stages and they were trying, Sikorsky was trying to replace the um, Air Force One helicopter with this new helicopter. And uh, so they volunteered um, to assist us, what ended up being like half the price of- For like marketing cost. reasons, kind yeah. of? Like get a little exposure for their new- yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> helicopter. Okay, cool. And and it, uh, I mean, it worked. This that helicopter. I don't think they won the the contract. It ended up being a different helicopter that is now Air Force One. Um, but that helicopter certainly gets used for big VIPs and corporate um, function, uh, not functions, but uses. Um, but it was fun learning about helicopters, dealing with what is required for it. Because if you saw the movie, you know they land at. Uh, a Wendy's and stop and get something to eat. And then they land on top of the building and then they land in this little- This is where he's like, he gets all the money in the world, Adam Sandler, yeah. right? He, right? Okay, right. <laughs> okay, got it. It was a fun movie to work on because it was a comedy. And, yeah. you know, having worked on dramas and uh, shows with a lot of special effects and shows with a lot of action and mysteries and horrors and all those things, working on a comedy, everybody just wants to have fun. So, you know, it's yeah. hard work what we do every day for 12 hours a day and people coming to work wanting to have fun every day and make people laugh makes it a, a happier experience so you do that for a few years you get those big projects yep. under your belt but that's not enough no it's not enough for you Andrew Sachs. <laughs> so, you are you have your eyes on production managing not I, just location manager you're like well, and i think I, I think again this comes back to your good your your kind of good natured person and you're getting to know all these people on the crew and you're like wow i i i know everybody's position right and you see maybe you see a a, a upm and you're like i could do that job to, to use mr d's as a good example you know here i was doing my job as a location manager but somebody entrusted me with the uh ability to you know procure a helicopter for the shot. Um, also, there was a day when we did a test of, you know, we had to close off a block when the fire trucks come in and uh, approach this building. And it was, how are we going to do this logistically uptown and, you know, have a fire building and what 
blocks can we close off? And we didn't have an AD on yet because the AD was out in California shooting. So, you know, I, I had an interest in being more involved and having more responsibility. And I got a call to location manage a, a, a pretty small job. And, you know, I told the person who was calling, who was the producer, who had been a location manager, um, you know, I, I, I really can't take the job for that because I won't be able to pay my bills. But if you pay me a little more, I would like to production manage and I will make sure that your location manager doesn't screw up. And he gave me a shot. I've been production managing ever since. Or was production managing and now line producing. But, um, you know, that it was that opportunity to do more. And I learned a lot on that. I got my ass kicked to my allowed to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. You can say anything on the show. <laughs> there are um, no rules. You know, Wait, but I, so I, but but moving into production managing, that takes a lot of guts. Sure. I just have to say because, you know, for a while that I did the coordinating stuff and all that and I think after coordinator a lot of people are like, what do I do after coordinator? And you're like maybe a production supervisor even though there's like not yeah. a real term. <laughs> you can't really say don't say you're a production supervisor. It's like, it's a secret. But, but uh, you know, AUPM, UPM, line producer, and right. then I don't know, you know, uh, and I was like, I was afraid. I'm just going to say it. I was like, I don't yeah. think I could do that. You know, so it takes guts and it takes, it just takes a certain metal, you yeah. know, like to, I, you know, there was that moment where I was like, oh, wait a second, I do know this stuff. And right. what I didn't know was, what is the financial equation of that? You know, I know what's needed. I know, you know, that we're contemplating this scene on the street and they want to put an 80 foot lift up. So I know that there's going to be a van generator and some cable and a guy driving the van generator and the guy in the lift or the gal, you know, the person in the lift uh, and the- So you mean the financial, the, the actual budget? Like right. this is when the production manager is when you start looking at the numbers. Right. I mean, as a location manager, you have a, a, portion, a budget, right? But, mm -hmm. but this is when you're looking at the whole thing and understanding what things cost and where the money goes and how much does a day cost and what happens if we go an hour over time or don't break for lunch on time or, you know, how many days can we shoot with what somebody has decided is our number. And yeah, that, that part took a minute for sure to understand the numbers, but I knew what was needed and just finding out the numbers, I could equate, you know, what is that, what they're asking for and how ridiculous or appropriate the ask was. And I'll, I'll never forget yeah. Margot Myers, our mutual yeah. friend. Yes. Um, we worked with on white collar and, and, and you as well, always saying the creative needs to match the budget. Like, right. I just remember, I remember hearing that first on, on that show from mm -hmm. you both. And I still say that today, you know, when, uh, when we're working on our, you know, we're, we're in a completely different sector, but uh, right. even corporate video, it's like, ah, you got, if you have $3, you're going to get something different than if you have $10. And, right. and, and it's the creative, I remember there was a scene or something on white collar where a car had to like launch over and crash into something and it was like that's not gonna happen and it just got it just got simpler and simpler we're getting to white collar now which is where we met which was an awesome experience and you did um you did that whole show 
I did four seasons and then there were two more seasons that I wasn't there for because um, I was offered an opportunity to do another show as a UPM. And right, you know, that, the bump. I had done quite a few jobs with Margot and learned an immense amount from her. And, uh, you know, here was an opportunity to step up and leave the nest once again. And uh, I went. And by the time that was finished, White Collar, the next season was starting again. And so she had to have somebody there. So, so tell us a bit about TV in New York City. And most recently, we, we're seeing some credits for uh, Shelter and Sesame Street. You'll have right. to Sesame tell Street. us about that. Uh, sure. Well, you'll have but, to explain how that ended up on your. Hey, IMDb. You know, no, we're just. No, but but tell us a bit about yeah. TV in New York City and your experience over the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, you know, where where was it? I mean, the last ten years of TV have just. I mean, TV is like. I think just, New York has become more of a TV town, um, and you know there are less features here than there used to be. Um, and to go back to what you asked before, the difference between prep for television and film, you know, let's say you have a 40 or 50 day shoot, you might have uh, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks of prep for those days. Television, you might have a 10 or 12 or eight day episode, you've got 10 or 12 or eight days to prep for that episode and you're constantly shooting and prepping and shooting and prepping. So the pace is a, a lot more rigorous in television, but you really have the same needs and that makes it that more challenging. And on top of that, you may not get the script uh, far enough in advance to make it as uh, easier than, you know, it, it, right. it's is that much more challenging when you're getting scripts late now um particularly with covid there is a, a huge demand to have the script further in advance so that you can consider you know are we talking about shooting in a shoebox where 20 people can't be because they need to be socially distanced or you know there there are a lot more considerations where covid is involved can we talk a little bit about COVID because yeah. I mean, two years now uh, yeah. and how it hit your side of the industry a bit. I mean, well, sure. Sesame yeah. Street was yeah. gearing up to shoot and we got shut down. I think we were six weeks out from shooting and you know, the, the whole industry shut down for five or six months. Um, but that's why Sesame Street's on there. And that was actually second go round for that Sesame Street movie and Hathaway. Mm. Uh, had gotten pregnant the first round and they shut down and then we started up and we shut down for COVID but everybody shut down so it wasn't uh, and I'm not sure whether that movie's coming back I hope it does it was a good story um, but 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 currently are you working yeah. on anything I, I am prepping a show for Amazon uh, and so what are you doing I mean what what are you taking into consideration in terms of COVID uh, during this time at the moment, because we're so far out, um, we don't start shooting until the middle of June. So yeah, it's all about testing and making sure that when we do go back to the office, we're doing it safely and not endangering anybody's health. Right. And is that the whole crew gets tested or is it random testing or oh, is no, it... We're, everybody, well, 
currently there's a return. and i mean it's lots of like masking obviously on set everyone yeah. has to be masked and yeah like the i did the a pilot most recently and everybody gets a pre-employment test and then you work out whatever your cadence is for the various zones um on set um our show was able to insist that everybody in zone A, which is everyone who will be near the actors, whether it's camera, wardrobe, hair, makeup, um, assistant directors, the director, the cinematographer, anybody who's gonna be close to them while they don't have a mask on while they're acting needs to be uh, vaccinated. And we were testing five times a week because it was a pilot. I had 11 days and I only had these 11 days and we were working weekends because of the uh, the locations necessitated that because we we, uh, we were shooting in a school, we closed down uh, a city, you know, a four square blocks in a in Newark, and they would only let us do that on the weekend. And so we were forced to a very limited schedule that somebody getting COVID and making it uh, making us unable to work that day wouldn't have worked. There there'd be nowhere to move. Schedule. It's not like on a 10 episode show where you can kick a day down the road to the next episode. We have these 11 days and that's it. Yeah. So the challenges, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges. Yeah. I mean, it's logistics mainly, but then there's also if someone does contract COVID, there's a possibility you have to shut down and you have to, insurance kicks in. I don't even know if insurance covers for that type of thing. I mean, it's like uh, you've had sick actors before, uh, but it's that th those are all challenges that are just hitting the, the whole entire TV and film industry and, sure. and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. We are like on this show, we will be rapid testing in the morning, which I think, you know, what the return to work agreement, what we were doing previously was a PCR test the day before. And, you know, if you're sick, you may not know you're sick until 12 to 24 hours later when you get your result. Um, yeah. Now, what our what we will be doing on this show is rapid testing in the morning and you get your results within 30 minutes to an hour so you can't come in the building for 30 minutes that's fine we'll pay for that time but we know today now before you go and hang out with everybody else um, and potentially infect them one, one of the things about you andrew that i always respected was i don't think i've ever seen you yell i don't think i've ever seen you get in a bad mood like i just didn't i just always you, you were always smiling what well, you know i remember we used to bs in the kitchen over a bag of oreos like it was just right. fun and but but you're in a tough tough role i try and keep a good attitude about everything i mean there, there's definitely some moments i've i've gotten upset about a few things um and you know apologized afterwards for getting upset to that person but uh and sometimes that has to do with lack of sleep and uh, shortened patience, but we are all an important part of the puzzle. And I'm one piece of the puzzle. I'm not, you know, the top of the puzzle, or I feel like everybody is an important part of the machine. And I treat people respectfully and I don't bullshit people. I try and be honest with people with what we have in the budget and what their needs are and recognizing how to uh, address what their requests are. And um, I try and work with people that 
I trust are going to ask me for the things that they need and not just what they usually get or enough to protect themselves. And, you know, I don't feel uncomfortable pushing back and asking questions and walking through each day. Um, you know, sometimes like, let's take, I don't, I don't want to single out, say the hair and makeup department, but they'll look at the extras count and they'll say, oh, there's a hundred people. We need 10, or there are a hundred extras. We need 10 hair people and 10 makeup people. And, you know, with a hundred people, you could bring 50 in now and 50 in then because we don't need them all on set. And so maybe we only need five people. And, you know, it's all a negotiation like that where you're figuring out what's needed and how the best way to execute that need is within, within the constraints of what we are budgeted. It sounds hard. Yeah. Which is uh, amazing because you make it look easy. I mean, I just remember on White Collar just being like, that's a tough job, but you made it look easy. What would you say to 18-year-old Andrew Sachs? What would be your advice to that 18-year-old? Yeah, what would I, you say to yourself? Doing what I'm doing now, I would have benefited from a lot more business classes for the business of film. Because it is, a, unfortunately, a business at the end of the day. And, um, you know, having come up through locations, I, I wasn't really privy to the, the business side of how things work. And uh, I think I might have gotten here sooner and certainly with a better understanding of where I am, had I taken more business classes. There's a circuitous path to line producing, right? I mean, it can come, you can come from so many different areas of the film and TV world and then get to that, right. that role. And what's interesting, working with other people, um, you know, we approach it differently. Uh, somebody who comes from accounting, who doesn't know isn't as familiar with what happens on set has a different approach when they are move up to production managing or producing somebody who's an ad who moves up has a different approach and a different view i mean i i step onto the set and i'm looking at different things than an ad is or a former ad or a former accountant or a former production coordinator um and it's different and I, i've been working with the same production supervisor for a while. And uh, on a previous project, the producer said to me, he's not sure what he's looking at because he came from the production office. Or not that he's not sure, but go share with him what you're looking at when you show up on set and look around. Because I do look at the set differently than somebody who's come from the office and isn't as familiar with what happens on set every day. What has been one of your proudest moments? I know it's hard to pinpoint one. I've done some fun things. I think, um, you know, doing the, there were, there were a couple of second unit moments in there and those are always fun because you're not as tied to the pressure of what's happening on set with the actors. It's, it's a lot more um, mechanical, I guess. Um, in because the performances are different than the emotional performances. You're dealing with the logistics of, and the, the physical actions of what's happening. You know, the, the man on the ledge, I was brought on to uh, do some helicopter work and smash a Jeep with a train. 
and that's cool. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I'm Jack Reacher. I was brought in to do the the six minute car chase and some of the second unit work. We did some helicopter work on that too. Um, but you know that stuff is fun. And there's I won't say there's less pressure, but because you don't have the actors and the main unit director and you know, the pressure of making your schedule the, the same way you do the rest of the show. I mean, you still have a schedule and you still have a budget, but uh, it's different work. And I, I don't like to pick favorites. I don't have a favorite. Okay. Color. All right. All right. Never... <laughs> Not white collar gets renewed for season two. No, I'm just, you know, those kind of moments where you're yeah. like, wow, we did something. We've, we made something great. Um, there are definitely moments where you're standing on set going, wow, look what we did today. What do you think is next for like TV film? We have this COVID issue, obviously. Right. And what do you what do you want to do? Like, because you have more runway. Uh, right. We talked about runway too. <laughs> I'm very excited about this next project because I'm going to be working in a volume, and I haven't done that before. I mean, I've done green screen. I've done uh, some LED wall. I'm and, just not clear what a volume is. Is that right. kind of what they did Mandalorian in? in uh, exactly what they did for Mandalorian. So. Uh, you know, a 270 degree video wall, and maybe it's the ceiling also, and maybe it's the floor also. Wow. You put your set in the middle of it, and you can, you film the, the assets of what is going to appear on those uh, screens, and then you put your set piece in the middle of it, and your actors in the middle of it, and they feel like they're there, and they are lit by what is there and you know you supplement with other lighting but you can add to what's there you can control the time of day of, of what's there you know it can be magic hour all day long wow it can be <laughs> i want to i want to move the sun from you know noon to 6 p.m i want to move the sun that direction behind that rock over there or i want to put another rock over there i want to put a tree there or i want to put you know uh they were talking i was watching uh, a couple of youtubes about it and when we do a french reverse when you take the camera and keep the same lighting you can literally spin the whole set in there you don't even have to move the cameras right <laughs> you don't wow have to move. um so the I'm actors really... have to get up <laughs> the yeah actors have to... <laughs> i'm really excited to learn about this technology and understand it better and, and know what's involved with it and the number of people and what's required and how long and these are things i don't know yet and i'm, I'm really excited about it um and i'm, I'm looking That's awesome working with it you know and, and using it as a tool and embracing it um, and not being afraid of it I'm, like you know you had said you know this is, this is just new stuff but that's um you know, to, to answer, I guess, your previous question about what's next, I don't know what's next, but I want I just want to keep learning. And I want to mm -hmm. keep doing new things and fun things and uh, enjoy it. You know, that's, that's always been the trick is find something you like to do and find a way to get paid for it. And I really enjoy this. I enjoy the yeah. work, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy putting the puzzle together every day and figuring it out. And that's sort of not just in work, you know, when I play games, I play puzzle games. <laughs> I, I can sit down and do a two. Are you doing Wordle? Or are you doing the Wordle every day? I haven't tried that one yet. Okay, we're going to have to get you, going to have to get you into the Wordle. <laughs> but like, I'll sit down and do a 2000 piece 
puzzle and you know i'll be up till three or four in the morning because i just want to finish it i want to get it i want to find all the pieces and not come back to it tomorrow because i like figuring it out and completing it and that's um gosh that's a perfect metaphor yeah i mean for what you do you you know putting the pieces of the puzzle together yeah yeah and i like that all of the people involved and all of the scheduling and all of the locations and all of the uh limitations that like I, i like figuring it all out and being a part of the group that is collaborative. Final piece is, what advice do you give to somebody who wants to get into this industry? Um, I've actually helped a lot of people. I will bring people into my office that are first time PAs working on on a show and they don't know what, not that they don't know, they may have an idea of what they want, but I'll, I'll try and listen and gather information for what it is they're really interested in and make suggestions to to help open doors for them. And I've uh, helped get people hired. Don't necessarily pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself to, I'm, I'm only gonna be a director. You know, if you want to be a director and you are passionate about being a director, by all means, go be a director. But people come out of school thinking they're gonna be an actor and you don't, you don't necessarily know what all of the other possibilities are on a set and uh, or in the business because it's not just about production. That's this much of the life of a show. There's the the writing and the development and then somebody's got to pay for it. And then somebody says, okay, you shoot. And then it's post-production and marketing and then it gets out in the theaters. But, you know, my participation is this much of a big piece of the pie. And um, there are a lot more opportunities in the business than than people recognize right so get in get in somehow because that's probably that's sometimes the challenge for people is like how do i get in right but it's it's get in somehow and and i think what you're saying is network yeah and talk i'll take a little piece of duke's advice which is just keep saying yes (laughs) i like you know like that's yeah because you never know what it's going to lead to. You always respond to me uh, too, and I appreciate that. <laughs> like when I'm on set, I will walk up to whoever the you know a PA that I don't know. I'll introduce myself. I try and I make it a point to know everybody's name, and that's challenging with 150 people on every show. And as soon as that show is over, it's <laughs> I got to make right. room for the next 150 <laughs> people's names. Andrew, thank you. Yeah, so much. Thank you. I have enjoyed this conversation. I have learned a lot. Uh, learned more about you. Yeah. Um, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, it's it's good to reconnect, and yeah. you definitely are a member of the in crowd. And I nice. appreciate you taking this time. And uh, you know, congrats on the new gig. And we can't wait to hear about that. When we yeah. can announce what that is, let us know. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been in the trades. Uh, it's a Jonah Nolan directing uh, a show called Fallout, which is based on the video game Fallout. So oh my gosh, a lot of a lot of fun new stuff. That that's I mean, I, awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And working with Amazon is going to be great again, um, but in a different capacity. So it'll be good. I'm I'm very excited about it. But thank you. I, I yeah, cool. Really appreciate this opportunity and. You know, I like catching up also, and I do feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. But-
Yep. All right. Good. That's it. That's our episode. We'll see right. you next time. <laughs>